Hey all, a little preface before the show proper. Uh, The following episode includes spoilers for the recently released Toy Story 4. Also, this was our first time doing something like this, so the audio isn't ideal. Thanks for listening, and we hope you stick around. Welcome to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Protopapis. I'm Joe. And I'm Nick. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm good. I just got out of work. I'm excited to uh, enjoy the rest of this beautiful day, record our first podcast. How are you? I'm well. Uh, I think we should introduce sort of the topic of the podcast and like, you know, how this works. So basically, as we were developing Out of Our Heads, we wanted to create a sort of pop culture discussion area platform for us to talk about things we like and enjoy. Um, and also, you know, more recent things that we've seen together. This episode, that's Toy Story 4. Uh, in future episodes, it could be other things. Yeah, and I think yeah. the, there's really no limitations here for you know, type of media. So that's good. It's just sort of, you know, Joe and I talking about things we like and trying to share that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're both very into stuff, and I, I'd like to spread that. So, Nick, I hear you have a thing for me. Oh, I do have a thing for you, Joe. Uh, it's a great book by James Clavell called Shogun, and it's from 1975, and I sure have been enjoying it these past few weeks that I've been reading it. So let me tell you a little bit about it, all right, Joe? Excellent. Tell me about it, Nick. Uh, okay, well, it's a, it's a pretty big book, pretty monstrous book. The, the copy I got was, you know, 900-something pages with very small text and thin pages. It, it was a... You know, I picked it up the first time, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a long weekend, and it turned out to be three weeks. Um, <laughs> so it was a pretty big commitment. Uh, you know, I, I read a good amount. I just read pretty slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, this is a book that was recommended to me and sort of pitched as a very cool historic fiction, which is what it is. Right. Um, and, you know, the basic idea is that, an Eng- you know, an Englishman, a sailor, ends up in Japan, um, and he sort of you know, navigates these big Japanese warlords and, you know, becomes a samurai sort of, you know, which, which sounds like a very cool thing. So I picked up this book and I was, I was ready for it to be my favorite thing ever. Um, and I mean, yeah. And it, you know, is it, did it? Um, it's not my favorite thing ever, (laughs) Okay. but I did heavily enjoy it. Um, I liked, it's, it's interesting because you can clearly tell that the author in the situation is, writing it, it honestly sounds more like a, a book about his like a non-fiction book about history there's not a lot of descriptive writing and the descriptive writing mm-hmm. isn't like i don't want to say it's bad it's not bad it's just not like oh wow look at this writing i was never like wow the writing because it's all like all the writing stuff that's good is sort of characters and how they they work in the world and you know describing japanese society effectively but that's not necessarily bad in fact it was really educational honestly and i think i learned a lot about um Japanese culture in the the year 1600-ish. Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, I had never really thought about it before, and it's just uh, they're definitely very different people from because I mean there's there's two ideologies going. Well, you know there's the there's the white guy, the Englishman, and he's sort of like you know more basic things that I don't even think about like wow preserving life and like love like those two ideas, and then the Japanese people just totally don't understand that. And they, you know, their whole thing is, like, honor and respect. And, and to them, like, you know, it's super crazy. Uh, and this is just, like, 
you know, a very interesting thing to read about and think about. Uh, and so I really admired for that. And also just like describing architecture and describing, you know, you know, different parts of society in pretty simple ways, like the sewer systems and like, you know, the way the rooms are laid out, just things like that were also interesting to read about. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, um, so it was educational. It was definitely entertaining. A lot of the characters were really like, this book does a lot of flipping around, like whose head it's in. And it does a very good job of describing, you know, different people's motivations uh, and how they try to kind of gain power a lot of the time and like outsmart each other. Because this whole book is, is you know, Japanese politics leading up to a war um, between two, you know, at this point there's there's a council of people in charge waiting for the heir to become of age. Right. Um, but, you know, two of them, two of the more powerful people in this council are are opposed to each other. And it's all this like, you know, political thinking and like different allegiances and like weird strategic, strategic thinking. And it's sort of, you know, how the English sailor fits into that and how he can help them win wars and stuff. And it goes on like that. And it's, you know, there, there ends up being a love story too for him, the, you know, English guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it all works together very well. And it's, you know, effective drama, effective character stuff. And I really liked it for that. And just reading that was like very entertaining, especially like I said, it wasn't, you know, written in, in like a usual way a book is where it's like very descriptive, but it, it was very, very entertaining to read just about the characters and, you know, the world. Right. Um, you know, and so I give it credit for that. It's, it's definitely, you know, worth all the pages. There was never really parts that I was like, wow, this is boring because it was always talking about something interesting, um, but it probably could have been a bit shorter, but, you know, that's fine. It, as long as it's enjoyable the whole time. I'm just sort of annoyed because I didn't get to read other books as much. Overall, I'd say it was, you know, entertaining and educational, but it took up a, took up a lot of my time. And what sort of what happens is that the plot um, drops off a little bit. And by the end of the book, it's one of the biggest anti-climaxes I've ever experienced in my entire life. And it just sort of ends. Some of the characters get nice, like, payoffs, but, like, the story doesn't end. Like, it... It's this whole build up to this war, build up to this war, and there's no war. There's, do, you, do you think that works as like a narrative structure? Uh, no, definitely not. Especially, I mean, it was just setting up this whole like that's what I was excited for because there's you know there's action sequences before that feel like they're structured and work out well and it's exciting to read about. Mm -hmm. But by the end, it just sort of ended, and, and I was really disappointed. And then there was every a lot of things were fleshed out, but there was there was one the main love story I felt needed more time. And so, you know, I'm telling you it should have been shorter, but also it should have been longer. Um, basically, there was a couple things missing in that department, uh, which I think honestly could have just been like, you know, fixed in editing. Like mm -hmm. 20 pages longer in the middle, develop that romance a little more, makes the rest of the book better. And then, you know, I don't know, 100 pages at the end for a war to happen. Bing, bang, boom. You got a perfect book. So it was yeah, I mean, very the, good. The thing you told me before we started recording was that originally, like, the first draft of the book was 2,000 pages. Yeah. The, the editor got it down to 1,000-some. I did just read that. It was 2,300 pages. <laughs> and then the editor got rid of 600 of those pages, which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I do recommend this book. Uh, I think it's good. It's part of the series that sort of jump, jumps around different... Asian cultures, I think it's called the Asia Saga, Asian Saga, I don't really know, because I haven't read the other ones, but this one focuses on Japan, another one might be Hong Kong or something, and it jumps around, but they're all long and historic fiction and cool, right. so I do recommend it. Great, excellent. Yeah. So my thing is, uh, Nick, how familiar are you with uh, the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion? I'm not at all. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so yesterday, 
Netflix added this this show that has been around for about 20 years. Uh, a lot of people consider it a classic. I'm not a huge anime guy, but I, I knew it by reputation. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen it before. Uh, it's a giant robot show that sort of mixes that with horror elements, and it's overall very depressing. Uh, I'm not even at the what I understand to be the notoriously depressing part. Huh. I've been watching it with... Ben, my brother, and uh, I mean, you know, something we were struck by, we're about five episodes in, shot composition on the show is incredible and beautiful, and the, the editing and the sound design, even though we're watching it on, like, the redubbed version, I think yeah. is very well done. Um, what makes it depressing? Well, it's about this, or this young kid, who's about 14, uh, and he has lived without his father for his whole life, and the narrative, even though it is based around giant robots fighting evil aliens thus far, is more really about all the characters' psychology and how, to some degree or another, they're screwed up okay. because of... I mean, the thread seems to be parental abandonment so far. Okay. But <laughs> So his dad is the guy running this government program that's creating the giant robots, uh, and due to plot happenstance that hasn't really been explained yet, this kid is the only one who can pilot this specific robot. Yeah, I mean, cool. uh, I it's it's neat. Uh, I like it. There are some elements that I find interesting. There are some I find problematic. I I really like how it how deliberately it aims to make its audience uncomfortable huh? uh, with specific tropes and specific ideas. Okay, in regards to anime as a broader genre. Uh, like, there are parts that I feel criticize a lot of, like, the, the sexist tropes that go on in that. I mean, at the same time, it does feel a little bit exploitative. Uh, I, I'll see how it pans out, I guess. Okay. Uh, it's it's a show I'm interested in, and it's one I'm interested in continuing watching. Uh, and I don't know. I think you might enjoy it. All right. Maybe uh, I'll check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, I do have Netflix. Yeah. Lots of people do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so are we, we talking about Toy Story 4? Yeah, I guess that was your that was your Joe thing. Yeah, I liked I liked the way that you pitched that to me. Um, I'll definitely check it out. Actually, excellent. Maybe I can talk about it next week. Yeah. All right. Cool. Toy Story Four. Yes, that's our main thing for this episode. The thing we're discussing. Yep. Joe, we saw it together. We did yesterday. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I think you can, because as far as this goes, I am the relative Toy Story noob. Yeah, okay. Like, I've seen all the films, but at this point it's been about ten years. All right, so uh, I... So you have a yes, more informed perspective. I definitely keep up with Toy Story a little bit more than that. I definitely, you know, have rewatched the movies. I'm aware of all the shorts and, like, short movies also. And I'm just a pretty big Pixar fan in general. Mm -hmm. Toy Story 4, you know, I think... Joe, you and I can agree that the first, th I don't know, you know, first three Toy Story movies, they're great. Like, yes, good I, job. I really enjoy them. Good, uh, perfect trilogy. That said, the last time I saw one of them was yes. when I was 11 years old. All right. Well, generally, <laughs> the people in the universe agree that the first three, yes. three yeah, all right. Um, well, you know, going into Toy Story 4, I was very excited. Uh, I wasn't really worried, but I was... Uh, I was worried about being disappointed more than right. worried about it being a bad movie. I mean, the, re the reviews for this have been mostly positive or yeah. very positive because it has you know Rotten Tomatoes isn't really worth anything but it has a 98% yeah, so right. uh, yeah so Toy Story 4 I, d I think it's a great movie I you know I went in excited and I came out not disappointed at all oh. pretty satisfied I liked it a lot um, I think it was true to the Toy Story 
genre, Toy Story movies, the Toy Stories. Um, <laughs> this genre consisting yes. of three movies in the same franchise. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> You know the one where the toys come to life and it's like, it's about Woody and Buzz? Yeah, that genre like, of film. <laughs> it has these crucial elements. You need the Woody, you need the Buzz. You need the Andy, not all the time. Okay. You need the kid. Yeah, so that genre of film, <laughs> as far as that genre goes, I feel like Toy Story 4 is a great movie. You know, it was pretty hysterical. I thought it was probably the funniest of the Toy Story movies. Um, I thought that, you know, this movie took a lot of time to focus on new characters, yeah. which I'm pretty okay with. You know, even as someone who cares a lot about the other Toy Story movies, I don't really mind introducing... I, I really liked the, the, the bizarre horror aesthetic of the new villain the new sort of villain okay uh, yeah yeah I, I has she been in the trailers are we allowed to yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. gabby gabby she's a <laughs> antique doll and she is somewhat you know a villain in this movie right and she also has these ventriloquist dummy marionette guys who are her enforcers which i find to be really funny <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the movie was was funny pretty you know the music was great, actually. I noticed it. Which, yeah. I mean, I... Uh, to to go back to that previous point, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like this movie looks great. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. I, I made a joke um, when the credits were rolling, and there were a lot of people working on the rendering, but like the rendering in this movie is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like everything looks so real, which is like fascinating in such a cartoony movie. Except it's. I don't like, think it, it ever gets too real. I don't feel that it ever gets too. Oh no, no, yeah. no! It definitely I think it, yeah. it, it, it's on the right side of the uncanny valley. Yeah. Um, well, that's one thing to be excited about. You know, a new Pixar movie always means you know cutting edge, probably the best animation you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, for the most part. What I'd like to do is go back and look at this movie in comparison, to even Toy Story three, and oh, just yeah. see how the animation compares. Right. No, definitely because, much better. Yeah, because that was two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I think two thousand ten. Yeah. Yeah. So of course it was beautiful. The soundtrack looks great. You know, it had emotions. Because Woody is reunited with Bo Peep, his long-lost love. From... Significant other, to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little unclear. <laughs> they they never kiss, but I am... I am I question whether their mouths are interactable. Right. In that sense, because they have very different head shapes. <laughs> well, in, this, in the second Toy Story movie, and also I think the first one, there's definitely some kissing going on. Like, on the cheek kissing. Really? But it's kissing. Okay, I mean, I, I think that might be avoiding the problem of they have very differently shaped mouths. Well, it is, but also they don't size. do any, like, you know, pecking. There's no pecking in this movie. They just hug a lot. Right. Which I, which I, is, you know, fine. It's a kid's movie. It's fine. I Personally, I couldn't handle the sexual tension. <laughs> I thought that they should have kissed. <laughs> because I, I, sort of, you know, them... Uh, you know being together i was like wow i'm just not feeling this until because you know in, in kids movies for the most part you can seal the love with a kiss and you know that's your your final wow they're together right but this movie just doesn't have that just a little frustrating for me yeah, there, there's a lot of hugging uh, there is a lot of hugging which i found to be adorable but yeah. uh i think this movie was you know lives up to toy story the other toy story movies mm -hmm. i did have some problems with it just because i feel like some of the uh, buzz especially i think got a little sidelined right uh just because of new characters, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's... They maybe didn't know what to do with them in the plot. Cause yeah. They, which is weird, because my, my, my choice, based on what would happen later in the film, would be to hammer in what good buds Buzz and Woody are. Uh, yeah. Just to make you... You know, at the end of the movie, 
Woody decides to stay with Bo Peep and the Lost Toys, and Buzz goes back to uh, uh, Bonnie with the rest of the, the, the home toys. The toys that have a kid, basically. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so there is this final goodbye, but it's kind—it's a little underwhelming to me. Between Buzz and Woody, I actually, honestly, when they like hugged, when they hugged, because right. you know there's lots of hugging in this movie. When mm-hmm. when Buzz and Woody hugged, I was eternally satisfied. I was like, wow, oh, yeah. I forgive the rest of Buzz not having a great plot in the rest of this movie because I just really felt it, and I felt like it was respecting those two characters and sort of how their relationship was in the, in the past movies and just acknowledging that in a simple moment, but it was very touching. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're happy with that. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the side characters in this movie, the, the new ones that they introduced? I thought that they were all very funny, and I laughed a lot, and I, that's all I really care about. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by how they, they blended Key and Peele into this movie. Because they were um, the the bird, the bird and the oh, that makes sense, yeah, uh, um, yeah. Those two were yeah very funny, yeah. Because yeah, it's not like they don't normally do the style of comedy that's in the Toy Story movies. Huh. I feel, but it it works here. They they do sort of blend it together. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, it works well. I thought that was funny. I thought Keanu Reeves. Uh, was Keanu Reeves is wonderful. Very funny, <laughs> also. Yeah, provided good comedy for the movie. I think this this movie is very Woody centric and sort of his choice. You know, between acknowledging that he's not Bonnie's favorite toy ever and, yeah. you know, picking his own happiness, sort of, in a way. I think there are a few emotional beats that could have stood to be hammered in a bit harder or a really? bit more. More? I think the him feeling sort of displaced from Bonnie would have been an interesting angle to, like... Wow, I really disagree with that. What do you mean? This whole I, movie I, is very obvious about what it's doing with, like... I, I, I guess I could have used a moment, or more of a moment, where... I don't know. I guess he has that. There's um, lots, so many yeah. moments. Yeah. Okay. I really um, disagree with that. I, all the time, this movie's like, well, this is how Woody feels. Like, it's just a big Woody movie, which is good, because yes. I like Woody. And I feel like it makes sense for his... After Toy Story 3, he has to sort of... He has to get over Andy. Andy's already sort of gotten over him, and now he's got to get over it. And I like that... I think the end of this movie is really not what I was expecting at the beginning of this movie at all. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, no. Um, I thought that it was very... That's what I thought was going to happen at really? the beginning of the movie. You, you, you went into Toy Story 4 and you are like, Woody's going to... No, like, when, once we get to the part where it's, oh, well, Woody is feeling uncomfortable and displaced from Bonnie. And, really? Uh, you know, he's not our favorite toy and he's sad about that. It seems like that is not something that would easily resolve because the toys don't really have an effect on the real world. Like, okay. it's not like whatever journey Woody would go through in the movie would make Bonnie love him more. Right, that's uh, true. I guess, I mean, thinking about it, it makes sense, but yeah. my point is it just seems like something that wouldn't happen in the other ones, not in a bad way, just sort of like, you know, definitely over the course of this movie, I definitely needed the course of this movie to believe that Woody would make that choice. Oh, yes. Which I enjoy, like, I just really like that. Like, right. the, I don't... Like, it just sort of, when, when he did make the choice to stay, I was like, wow, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and, like, that's what I wanted, and it only makes sense because of all this whole movie and this whole journey he's been on, which is, you know, mm-hmm. how most movies should be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, personally, I don't put a lot of stake in predictability as a flaw in, yeah. a, in a film, just because, like, you know, if the emotional journey is well done, then, and that's right. where the character ends up, then I feel that's yeah. valid. I think that's what I'm trying right. to... And it's a kid's movie, yeah. so, you know, it's gotta be, like, a little simplified. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not is, not that it is, you know, simple, uh, a compelling emotional journey. Yeah, I think. I think I think what I'm trying to say is that the the journey of of Woody in this movie made a lot of sense. Right. And you know, 
I really appreciated when it came to a close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What do you think of it as like the from the perspective of a longtime Toy Story fan, which to some degree you are? Uh, I think it's you know really good, a worthy sequel. Um, there's some things that bother me just you know deep in my heart because of you know how attached I am to the previous movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, there's a couple things where you remember when Buzz makes up a like voice box thing. Right. He makes yes. up a voice box thing to sort of remind the humans about something. And there's another moment where the toys are pretending to be the GPS mm-hmm. to mislead the humans. And then also, like, messing with the car. Right, and to some degree that stretches, like, the fiction. Yeah. Because that's... I, I, I totally agree. Like, there's yeah. a moment in the theater where I was kind of surprised that nothing more came of it, where Buzz is almost directly talking to the humans... And right. it's very strange that that not a bigger thing of it is made. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't say it doesn't fit, because in the first Toy Story, Woody talks to Sid. Yes. Uh, that's the thing that happens. So I can't say it doesn't fit, but it, it just feels like it's sort of stretching the believability of these toys have to hide. I feel like in the other movies, it was more more hiding, basically. And this one was sort of, like, definitely closer to humans being around them still moving. Right. Um, I think... Maybe part of that, like, they, they get away a little bit with that because, like, even though it is one of the main sources of tension in the earlier movies, this movie is a lot more about what choice will Woody make. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's not necessarily, are they going to get caught by the humans? Because really, you know, what happens right. in the narrative... They're not going to get, they, yeah. They're not going to, like... No, no, that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, that just makes it just a little problem. It, it actually, something similar happened, I think, in Finding Dory where sort of the believability of these fish being conscious because actually in finding dory there's also there's a have you seen finding dory i have so uh, you remember the part where there's also a car that the fish like hijack yes right <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of similar to me i was like mm, you guys are a little stretching this mm-hmm. like i don't really mind it but like a little bit in my heart it's like a little pinch mm, you know they're changing things a little yeah finding, that's all. i found finding dory to be fairly underwhelming but i like finding dory but i you know there's that point where there. I mean, there are none of these I, I I dislike. I think unless there's one I'm forgetting, but like you know, I I just found it to be very bland, and I think it could have fleshed out. I'm talking about Finding Dory. Finding Dory. Okay. Um, not not to go too far off the beaten path, but I I I I think it could have fleshed out Dory's character in more interesting ways. Some of this may be me half remembering it from having watched it what four years ago. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I don't have strong opinions. I enjoyed it, but right. I just sort of got similar vibes for sort of stretching the belief of how the, the characters, in that case fish, in this case toys, are allowed to do. Bra- breaking the rules. Yeah, are allowed as non-human creatures in right. an otherwise normal world. How are they supposed to navigate that Yeah, in ways that don't break the fiction? Yeah, I definitely didn't mind it as much in this movie, um, but that was a little, that's one thing that bothered me sort of as a more big fan of the, right. of the stuff. Yeah, As a big fan, I did enjoy actually... Uh, there was a couple of characters that came from, like, the TV specials and the shorts. Mm-hmm. So, remember those three Combat Carl guys? Yes. So, those guys are from they're from one of the shorts, I think. Um, uh, I have not seen any of the shorts. Yeah, shorts. well, they are, and they came back, and that's really cool. Excellent. And at the beginning, there's, like, a like a tease for the dinosaurs that come in that ABC special with the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, Toy Story dinosaurs. But right. there was, there was one of those. And so, you know, those are two things that I really enjoyed as someone who has kept up with that stuff. Just, like, a little, like, hey... Thanks for paying attention. Right, here, here's yeah. a bone. It's like, you know, in the Marvel movies when right. they throw an Easter egg for exactly. the comic books. Yeah. Um, I was bummed that there was no short. Um, yeah, that was, like, kind of stunning just because there's been one 
on it every Pixar movie. Yeah, right? I really like shorts. I don't know why they wouldn't make a short. Has there ever not been? I don't think short? there's ever not been, but I, you know, wasn't around before. And I also, like, last year, Bao was really good, and The yeah, Incredibles they're... 2 was not that good. Like, Bao kind of saved that movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... And that's my bold claim that I'm throwing out there for the I episode. I also don't mind Incredibles 2. I think it's. I think I definitely like it more than you. But, okay. But, you know, shorts are something that Pixar, you know, has specially, and I always look forward to, so it was a little disappointing. But I do sort of forgive it, because every once in a while there's a Pixar short in front of a movie I don't expect. Oh, yeah? I think the Muppets had some Pixar short. Oh, right. That was exciting. Wasn't that a Toy Story one? Or I don't know what it was. Yeah, that was, yeah, you know, they it, threw around yeah, those Toy yeah. Story ones where Combat Carl was, I think, some of them. Mm-hmm. Like before other movies, and that was enjoyable. So I sort of forgive them a little bit, but yeah. I wish that there was one. And I don't see why there isn't, because I think they're thriving over there. And the early 2010s Muppet movies are something I'd like to see a return of. Wow. Because nothing has been done they with can't. that brand. They can't, Joe. <laughs> they can't? No, because the last time they made those movies, the whole spiel was everyone forgot about us, and now we're back. What are they going to do? I mean, the. the everyone the, forgot about us again? The second one was a fairly rote Muppets adventure. I think. It wasn't really playing to the same gimmick as the first one. Oh, so you want um, just a, like a third one? I guess. I mean, the second one was fun. I liked it, yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't fantastic, but it had Tina Fey, and she was good in it. That's what and, I was remembering also. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she did a good song. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. I think I... I mean, I j- I, I'd like to see something done with the Muppets brand. I mean, they did. <laughs> they, the thing is, Joe, that they all tried with the Muppets brand. They had the Muppet Show come back. Remember that? Oh, yeah. They had the Muppet Show come back. There was this weird thing on Disney XD with a Muppet boy. There, there was... Wait, 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 wait. Go back. What? Weird thing on Disney XD with a Muppet boy? Yes, what are you was, talking about? It was a boy, and he adopted a brother that was a Muppet, and he was purple. And they lived together. This was, you know... I I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not about. recommending it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, after this movie, there was a... This was live action? Yes, but okay. also Muppet. <laughs> There was a resurgence of Muppet stuff, and it just didn't really work out, and they were really trying. So that's what I have to say. Right, okay. I think Muppets should stay dead, because... Muppet Babies is still a thing, but that is... What? ...below our demographic. It is? Yes. Sesame Street is a thing. Why don't we just leave it at that? Hmm. And it always will be. But Sesame Street's not for me, Nick. (laughs) I want a Muppets for me! Okay. All right. Sorry. Maybe you should have watched the show. (laughs) Maybe I should have. Yeah. Sounds like you don't want Muppets. I want good Muppets. All right, okay. Back to Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story 4 is good. It was a good movie. It lives up to, you know, if you're a super fan, it lives up to it. There's some little things that are a little bit annoying, and it's not, I would I would say it's not as perfect as the other ones, but it's definitely enjoyable in a new way because it's funnier. Does that make sense? Yes. Like the other ones, there's nothing wrong with them. This one has some things wrong with it, but it's very enjoyable. Right. Like Buzz's Ark, I think, could have been better. I think there's, you know, basically that, actually, mainly that. Mm-hmm. Um and I think Woody and Bo should have Jesse, Jesse could have gotten a medium Jesse role. could have gotten a little bit more. I don't know why she didn't. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't know. There, there was this one person who was sitting behind me in the theater who was very enthusiastic every time Jesse showed up. Yeah, Jesse uh, has a big and, fan base. Yeah, I, and, and I, I feel... Because she's cool. I feel for that person in the theater, and I, I would have liked to see more of her. I agree. On, the, on that basis, you know? Yep. Because she gets sort of one thing to do, and it's kind of to resolve an easy conflict in the middle of the movie, yep. in like one scene. Yep. Um, More Jesse is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me, like I, in the yeah. tell me, uh, in the, the like the broader scale of of you know Toy Story movies, 
This one was kind of a surprise because we didn't really expect them to make it because Toy Story 3 was a, a definitive conclusion. Uh, right. But this one and, feels like a conclusion too. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a conclusion or if they are like changing the franchise so they would have to do very different stories in the future because they can't do anything with Woody now. They they can they can do whatever they want. I don't know. Well, like it might like I don't know. We say these things. We say oh Toy Story three definitive conclusion, and then you know it makes a bajillion dollars, and they're like, well, time to churn out another one. True. Return of the Jedi <laughs> definitive conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, for now I'm okay with more because they did a good job, and I don't think it's sort uh-huh. of, you know I don't think it's I would go for more. Like yeah. I would go see Toy Story five. And so there you go, corporate people, corporate Disney. Mm-hmm. You heard me. I would go see Toy Story Five. Maybe they'll make it. Maybe they won't. I was about to make a joke about the Toy Story Five, including Playmobil, but um, they're making a Playmobil movie, right? Yeah. Are Are you familiar with that? I am big fan of the Playmobil the toy. <laughs> I, I did a lot of Playmobiling, <laughs> um, and they were my favorite toy, and I have a lot of them still. I don't play with them, but I guess my sister should. But they're around, basically. And I had all these crazy sets, and that that's sort of the most... You know, speaking of Toy Story, actually, when you see all these kids playing and you think about when you played with toys, mm-hmm. I, I, Playmobiles are probably one of my most, because I had these crazy, like, set pieces. Like, it, it's, it's the memory I get from Toy Story. Right. You know, when Andy's playing with his toys, I remember playing with Playmobiles. So, I guess one final point I want to touch on for Toy Story is... Uh, so, you're a noted... Pixar fanatic. You're also a noted Cars fanatic. Yes. Uh, you're a big fan of the Cars movies. How, how would you say this compares uh, to to each individual Cars movie? Could you give me like a <laughs> a, a tiered ranking? This is definitely better than both Cars movies. <laughs> there are three. Oh, there's three. You're right. This is definitely better than all three Cars movies. I don't. The thing about Cars is that I don't love it. Like I do. But this is better. You just like it more than, like, most people. I'm just upset that people don't recognize it for being as good as it is. Like, they keep, you know, they say, oh, Cars is bad, but it's not. Cars is really good. They just, like, it's not my, like, favorite (laughs) thing ever. But I just think it's underrated. And so I defend it a lot. Right. I've only seen the original Cars movie many times when I was six. The original Cars movie is good. It's a good movie. It's fine. You're a bigger fan of Cars 2? Cars 2 is an excellent movie. Right. Cars 2 is much better than Cars. And how is Cars 3 in comparison to both of them? Cars 3 might be the worst. Oh, really? Mm, yeah, probably. Okay. But it's still good. I mean, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. On the on the scale of Cars probably, Yeah, probably my least favorite Cars movie. Mm-hmm. It's Cars 3. So I think we're going to move on to our next segment now. Okay, what's our next segment? Uh, well, it's going to be a recurring segment that uh, we're going to be doing every episode uh, from now on, and it's called Droid News. We're going to talk about the droid droid pricing market. Okay. You know those lovable little guys from Star Wars? Yes. We're going to be talking about them. I do love droids. I've got some um, some news from ScreenCrush.com. <laughs> Would you like to pay $25,000? For an R2-D2 from Galaxy's Edge, because a bunch of people would. $25,000, that is. Yep, that is. 
Disneyland's new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge area is a heaven for Star Wars fans looking for unique collectibles from a galaxy far, far away. They range in price from the affordable to the absurdly unaffordable. The highest ticket item for sale is a custom, life-size R2-D2 droid. Actual retail price, $25,000. No returns or refunds. So, uh, <laughs> it's customizable. You can have it with, like, uh, you know, battle scars or rust. Or like yeah. some some cool paint, I think. Uh, this is in comparison to the regular droids they sell at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the the Disneyland attraction, mm-hmm. which are a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and they can fit in your backpack. This R two D two droid is R two D two sized, yeah. and thus is about three and a half feet tall. <laughs> wow. Um, and three people have bought one. Three people. Three people. That's three. It? According to Orange County Register. Three of the pricey remote-controlled R2 units were sold at the Droid Depot shop during the new Star Wars Land's first week of operation at the Anaheim theme park, according to Disneyland employees. (laughs) I believe this thing has been around for a month now, so based on that math, they've sold at least, like, you know, 16 droids. Okay. I think this is a pretty funny thing. Um, I like the idea that Life size R two D twos are can be real now. Right, that's funny. I think they move around and make little beeps. Do they vacuum? I God, I don't know. See, here's the thing that bothers me. This is a big Roomba. This is a big Roomba that doesn't clean. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. is it so expensive? Because it's R two D two from the movie. <laughs> When's the last time you bought a character from a movie exactly like they were? <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like, it's cool. Like, if you really like droids, then maybe... And you have 25,000 <laughs> $25, loose... Loose... Just loose change. <laughs> maybe you want to... Do you think they buy them? And then the droid follows them out of the park. It's like... Like, it follows them around. You know what I mean? They definitely are not that advanced. Okay. They definitely just, like, waddle around a bit. Like, you know, if you have some empty space, they'd roam around until they hit a wall. Yeah. Uh, they could have at least made it like an Alexa or something. Mm-hmm. You know that might be <laughs> making more sense. And a Roomba. What about both? Yeah, an Alexa and that. An Alexa Roomba. Yeah, an Alexa Alexa Roomba that looks like R two D two. They've got to sell Alexas that look like R two, right? Uh, That's got to exist. Excuse me, I don't know. Doesn't that exist? Probably not. I mean, I, I'm just that? I'm thinking of that because R twos are sort of tube shaped, and so are Alexas. Wow. Um, <laughs> he's got us there. Uh, anyways, the point is, you know, if this, if you have this money and R2-D2 makes you happy, that's great. But it's also really funny that this is so expensive um, and it doesn't even vacuum your floors. That's my main opinion. Right. Yeah. I don't know why anyone would buy a dirty R2-D2. Right, you could just dirt it up yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And also... I'm spending $25,000 on something. I want it to be... Do you think the rest costs more? (laughs) It it does, I think? (laughs) That's great. (laughs) All right, well... um... Um, Thank you for joining us for uh, Droid News. We'll be back next week to discuss presumably... More droids. More droids, but also $500,000 life-size T-3PO? You would pay more for C-3PO? I would not.
So, uh, closing out the show, Nick, I believe you have a wise quote for us. Yeah, I'm going to do a quote from the book Shogun that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, Death and life are the same thing. This is the immutable law of nature. That's my quote. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Uh, this has been uh, Out of Our Heads, pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Protopapis. What's your problem? <laughs> Except that also that if you talk quieter, you should be closer slightly, and then there will be the right, same. Right, that's volume. true. <laughs> we'll just have to keep our heads in in one place the entire time, and that should work. <laughs> we can think of better ways of doing this in the future, like having two mics. Maybe? Yeah, like having two mics. <laughs> I mean, the problem with two mics here is that if you're right there and I'm right here. Then, then they'll both pick they'll, up. Yeah, they'll both pick up each other. Uh, well, I could go to the um, other room. That's true. The bathroom. Um, I mean, what's, what's? Let's just do this. this yeah, you know, worst case scenario, this. it's a little bit bad, but also we're yeah. going to be bad. Because, but also, it's the first episode. Yeah, and so things it, will get better. Over it's going to be bad. Yeah, I mean, not bad, but it's like you know, you know, it's a process. Yes, exactly. I I agree. Okay. <laughs>